Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Well, we're going, we don't need Rose. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. No, I am your father. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to another episode of After the Ending, the podcast where we take your favorite films and we tell you what happens after they end. Uh, I'm Mike Spring, one of your hosts, and with me is... Phil Edwards. Hello, Phil. How are we doing tonight? I'm fine. It's all fine and dandy over here in the UK. Very good. Are you good? I cannot complain at the moment. Excellent. We'll see what happens when we get through these movies, but uh, for right now, I'm good to go. It could all end in tears. <laughs> that's right. Well, listen, I figure if we made it through The Big Lebowski with our friendship intact, yeah. you know, I don't think anything we're going to talk about tonight is going to tear it apart. So. I still can't believe you killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, technically, the dude is only in a coma for the rest of his life. I didn't actually True. get around to killing him, but yeah, yeah you know, that was, it felt long. very good. It felt very satisfying for yeah. me. So. <laughs> all right, so Phil, what are we talking about tonight? Tonight we will be talking about uh, Steven Spielberg's 1971 film Duel, which was uh, made for TV and then we got a theatrical release. And then we'll be moving on to the original Point Break starring Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze and Laurie Petty. And it's very good. Yes, it well, is. Well, both very good. Yeah, They are actually, yes. Um, but I will say, um, I should probably clarify, you know, I'm going to say that Point Break is one of my favorite movies. And then as this podcast goes on, you're going to hear that phrase a yeah, lot. Yeah. Um, and it's just because I have a lot of favorite movies. You Same know, way. Right? I have lots of favorite ones. And... Right. And in different genres and different styles, you know, like, you know, Casablanca is my favorite movie of all time. But... It's a that movie. I, I don't compare Point Break and Casablanca. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. not movies I put up against each other. So you've got to take each each film for its own things, for its own merits. Exactly, exactly. So and whatever uh, mood you're in as well. Often, absolutely. That's, that's the big deciding factor. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So, um, so yes, Point Break is one of my favorites, but uh, we'll get into that a little later. Why don't we start things off with Duel? Right. Okay. It was an ABC movie of the week. It was 74 minutes long. It took 13 days to shoot. Successful. It got a theatrical release. And they spent a couple more days shooting additional footage. I just thought I'd throw that in because I found it quite interesting. Okay, uh, Duel stars Dennis Weaver, who was a star of the TV show McQuaid and also featured in Touch of Evil. Uh, he plays a character called David Mann, that's M-A-N-N, uh, the common man as it were, a salesman on a business trip. He drives a Plymouth Valiant and he's driving through the California desert when he overtakes a dirty, grimy truck which is belching smoke out into the air. It's not uh, got a very good carbon footprint. <laughs> uh, and thus begins a game of cat and mouse between the two. Uh, the truck keeps trying to kill David Mann whenever, whenever it can, but it, it always acts normally when the others are, other people are around. For example, there's a school bus which has got just, uh, needs push starting, and the truck comes along and David Mann's saying, get out of here, get out of here. By the way, the spoiler warnings for people just tuning in. <laughs> right, right. Get, get out of here, get out of here. And But the truck ends up helping him, helping the uh, the bus driver. But it keeps on chipping away at uh, David's sanity, keeps pushing him a little bit further, and he just it ends up with a big chase up a mountain as uh, David's car is, is reaching the end of its life because it's got a faulty uh, radiator hose, which he didn't get replaced at the start. Uh, hindsight's a bitch. Uh, they end up at the top of the mountain. He uh, David sticks his briefcase on the, uh, the accelerator, Races towards the uh, the tanker, but he jumps out at the last minute before it collides. The tank hits the car, bursts into flame. The smoke blocks the trucker's view, 
and the truck goes off the cliff in super slow motion with a, a, roar, a dinosaur roar, which uh, Spielberg also used at the end of Jaws. Then mm-hmm. uh, we just end with uh, David Mann sitting in the desert, laughing with relief and hysteria, and he sits there exhausted, and the film ends. Very nice. Oh, and also, we never really get to see the, the truck driver. It's always just his arm. That's pretty much all we see. And you, it basically makes you feel that the truck itself is the, the evil thing trying to destroy this man's life yeah spielberg did a great job you know it's um it's obviously sort of a filmmaking style he would carry into jaws um which really propelled him into you know the 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 icon that he is but duel was sort of like a good practice run for jaws and uh you know it certainly was well because it was i was reading as well he was saying he used the raw at the end that dinosaur sounding raw at the end of jaws as well Mm -hmm. uh, as well as this one because he said it uh both films dealt with how did he put it? Leviathan's targeting the everyman, which I thought was quite good. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, definitely a strength for Spielberg. But uh, Oh, and one other thing as well, which I quite liked, it is the truck you see it has a number of different number plates. And uh, Spielberg apparently did that because he wanted to, to give the impression it could be a serial killer driving the truck yeah. going from state to state, which I, I hadn't realized at the time. I don't, But uh, it's, it's probably one of those things which works on your subconscious as you're watching it. Right, right. Absolutely. I didn't catch that. thought that was a nice little touch. Very cool. Okay, Mike. So what did you have then for the day after the events of the film? Okay. So, well, I, I was tempted to say that he gets lost in the desert and, you know, turns into a skeleton and that's the end. But that, that, yes, that, was, yeah. that would make it a little bit short of an episode. Okay. Show's over. Let's go. Right. <laughs> um, so, so here's where I went with that. So I think that, um, you know, man gets a ride back into town and he finally gets the police involved, you know, local police. Yeah. Uh, they investigate the whole scenario. Um, but they're wary of his claims because it turns out that the driver was a well-known trucker in the area um, and kind of a fixture on the roads. And everyone knew him. He'd wave to everybody. Everyone in the diner knew him. So the police actually kind of suspect man of maybe killing this truck driver, but they can't prove anything. So eventually they let him go. But it puts a real sour taste in, in David Mann's mouth uh, regarding the whole affair. Of course, yeah. And that's my that's that's it for now. Then we'll move in. Things are going to progress from there. Okay, so well, I had... I had it. He ended up. Uh, David Mann's just there in the desert, top of a mountain. He ends up falling asleep, has terrible nightmares. He's getting chased by some huge thing in the darkness. He he wakes and then begins walking back to civilization. It's just uh, it's going to be a few hours to get to uh, the nearest truck stop. He gets there, calls his wife, and breaks down in tears. He can't cope because what he's gone through has just destroyed him. Goes to call the police, but he doesn't make the call. He keeps second guessing himself. He's basically just still at this diner he just sits in the corner just drinking coffee doesn't know what to do he's just totally his head's wrecked sure so that's what i had so he stays there probably for a day maybe just wandering around the the diner wherever the truck stop whatever it is before deciding what to do next yeah that makes sense i mean i think uh i think that's what a lot of people would do probably after being in that kind of situation yeah. you'd be try- just trying to process the whole thing right. because it just it's just crazy wouldn't it somebody's been trying to kill you and you know you've basically uh Despite them, they're the ones who drove over you. You contributed to their death as well. So David Mann was an upstanding person from what we could gather. Right. So it's going to weigh heavy on him. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So what did you have for the immediate aftermath? So the police let Mann go and he returns to home and to work, but he finds himself increasingly haunted by the experience. You know, the entire chase, you know, uh, made worse by the police treating him like he was the suspect. It makes him angry. Yeah. And it's, yeah. A, it's an anger that he can't really cope with. So he starts to retreat further and further into himself. He alienates his wife and his friends. 
uh, and his work, and he starts to just become like the sort of really, um, you know, very withdrawn person, very angry, and, and everyone sort of basically not deserts him because it's sort of deserving, but basically he loses his wife, he loses his friends, he loses his job, and uh, yeah. you know, and a couple of years later, he's basically shell shocked, divorced, uh, and and out of work and on his way to becoming homeless. Yeah, I could t- totally see that. Yeah, not a happy, not a happy path. <laughs> yeah, because because you can see in the film as well through the little conversations he has. He's he's got an anger within him anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I could see, yeah, that would just end up gnawing away at him and building. Right. Right. Uh, my, mine's mine's pretty similar. Uh, eventually, gets home. He tries to tell his wife what happened, but only tells bits and pieces. Uh, and he doesn't report to the police or insurance. He's willing to just have the car be a write off and just forget about the whole thing. He thinks that's the best way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that doesn't work though. The police find the wreckage eventually. I don't know how long it would take, and they chase uh, David Mann down and contact him for more information. He tells him. He tells starts telling what happened. It's just garbled, and they say we need to speak to you more. And it's just that's the final thing. Just his, his mental state's already been precarious, and that's what causes it to snap. He becomes more and more unhinged, and he leaves home, and his wife doesn't see him probably ever again. To be honest, but <laughs> right. that's it. He goes off there, and that's what I've got for the immediate aftermath. All right, I have a feeling that there's a possibility we could be heading in the same direction for our long term. We could very well. Oh, just for. For listeners who aren't aware, uh, neither Mike or myself know what the other ones uh, come up with for any of the films. That's right. That's right. We we do not talk beforehand yeah. about the films, so sometimes uh, we vary wildly, and other times we end up at the same place. But yeah. it's all uh, it's all accidental, or or as I like to think of it, just great minds thinking alike. So that's it, exactly. But we'll see. We'll exactly. see what happens. Yeah. We'll see if we're really in the same place or not. Okay. So where are we up to now? So we're coming up to the long term. Oh, and before I forget, that was the other thing I meant to mention. This was based on a short story by Richard Matheson. Oh yes, that is definitely worth mentioning. Who did I Am Legend? So worth mentioning that. Yep. Uh, and also because uh, Matheson said he. Uh, something similar happened to him. Right. Well, with a, a truck driver in the desert. Obviously, not all of it, but right. that's what inspired him to write the book. Listen, you know, I, I had a, a, a little spar with a truck driver once when I was young, and uh, it was it's pretty dicey. He didn't want to let me pass, and I wanted to get past him, and I passed him, and then he sort of started tailgating me and you know it only lasted a couple minutes but yeah yeah you know when you're in a little car and they're in a big truck (laughs) you know yeah scary sure is especially on the big american roads and there's just no other cars there and it's just right you and him exactly yeah all right okay so long term what have you got So long term um so uh david is unable to find work and eventually he ends up taking a job driving trucks (sighs) because it's it's all he can get and it doesn't he can be solitary and withdrawn and angry and it doesn't matter as long as he gets his gear where it needs to go um the iron irony of it is lost on him, though, because he's too far gone into his own world to, to really have any sort of introspection by this point. Yeah. Um, he hits the road. He becomes a hardened trucker. He never stays in one place for very long. Uh, he never puts down any roots. He's basically homeless. He mostly lives out of his truck, you know, the occasional rest stop. Yeah. You know, once in a great while, he'll stop at one of these trucking stops overnight, but mostly he just sleeps in the cab of his truck. As he's getting on in years, he's become pretty crusty and, and withdrawn and, and, you know, kind of raggedy and... Uh, he takes on the trucker handle of Rusty Nail. Rusty Nail. Because <laughs> okay. he feels like a Rusty Nail. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So after a few years, he's out driving one day when he gets a, a message on a CB radio, and it's from a, a young, attractive-sounding girl named Candy Kane. And uh, she's flirting with him, and he starts to feel a little bit human again. <laughs> and then it's revealed that it's just a hoax, and it pushes Rusty Nail over the edge. No. And he's about to turn these kids joyride into a duel oh lincoln two movies very good thank you thank you and for those of you who uh, aren't familiar with it because it wasn't a big hit uh, joyride was a movie from 
I want to say the early 2000s with uh, the late Paul Walker, uh, Steve Zahn, and Lily Sobieski. And it's basically, um, you know, duel for the Scream audience, if you will. Ah, hold on. Yeah, just just having a quick look about Joyride, 2001. Hey, look at that. Got some more connections with uh, Spielberg, though. Oh, yeah? Because, because And also with our last episode, or whenever we did Super 8, because J.J. Abrams... Uh, produced and wrote the script. Oh, I didn't realize that. interesting. No, it's very interesting. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I like those. You know, I, I remember I saw Joyride long before I saw Duel, sadly, but um, I like Duel better, obviously. Um, but Joyride is, is kind of one of those uh, movies that it's not really all that great, but I kind of enjoy it because I always sort of enjoy these chase movies, you know, regardless of what the, the format of it is. So. Oh, well, yeah, oft, yeah often the perfects these kind of films. They might not be the greatest movie in the world, but they just... They fill a couple of hours. Yeah, exactly. I think I'll try and get hold of that to watch, though, because I do like Steve Zahn, Paul Walker, and Lily Sub. Yeah, Sobieski. No, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's, Sobieski. Sorry, yeah. that's all right. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun enough film to make it worth watching. And the guy who does the voice of Rusty Nail is really creepy. So, um, it's it's worth it, kind of just for that, you know. Oh, that's what you want. Well, we know now it's uh, David Mann doing the voice. So. Well, right, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. So, um, so what do you have for your long term, Phil? Uh, my long term, uh, David's marriage falls apart. He loses his job. And he heads off. We, he's already left home. He drives around the same area of desert where the incident took place. He's just trying to find a reason, an explanation for what happened and why it happened. But he, he never finds it. Uh, and his fragile mental state just gets worse and worse. He's he hitch, he's hitchhiking wherever he can. He's he's getting menial jobs, working, you know, dishwasher things like that, just trying to uh, just trying to get a bit of money. He eventually gets enough money to get himself his own car, and he's just driving from place to place in the desert. But he sometimes forgets the truck's gone and starts spending time hunting for this truck, cause, which is out there, which he thinks is still trying to hunt him down. And he tells people whenever he can, anybody will listen, he tells them about this truck he's trying to find and you've got to be careful. And he eventually becomes uh, almost like an urban myth, mm. this man trying to find, almost like uh, Ahab trying to find the white whale. Right, right. That, that's the kind of thing I, I see. I like that. That's what happens to him, yeah. He just... He goes off the deep end and is trying to find something he will never be able to find. Right. Oh, I like that. I like that he becomes like an urban myth. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. That's... It's like you'd have, you'd have you'd have teenagers who'd be traveling across the desert. They say, "Did you ever come across that guy? This dude, he's crazy." Right. Just that kind of thing. Right. Right. But I also had just as another aside, just tiny thing, and because it's a Spielberg film, uh-huh. uh, I had David Mann. All this happens. He uh, he gets himself back together, reinvents himself, joins the police, remarries, gets a job as a sheriff, and then moves to Amity Island. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yep yep i can see that <laughs> but i think i like my urban myth one for I, I i think it's got a little yeah. more weight to it but yeah no yeah, it's always yeah. fun to uh well as we, as you know i'm a big fan of tying our movies to other movies so clearly yeah. you know it's never going to be lost on me <laughs> yeah very good very good all right great there we go um so before we move on to point break anything else you want to talk about or say about duel uh, just yeah just the last thing i thought interesting because they filmed some a couple of days extra scenes uh, just so it become long enough to be a, a theatrical release in Europe and Australia. They also, as well as the extra scenes, they added a bit of swearing in to take, move it away from it being a TV movie. Right, right. That's yeah. Oh, uh, and one other thing, and Weaver also references the fact he was in Touch of Evil by saying another think coming. That's think with a K, uh, which his character in Touch of Evil also said. Right. So little throwback to that. Yeah, a lot of neat little tie-ins there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, that's our take on Duel. Um, if you uh, haven't seen it, we definitely recommend it, even though you know how it ends. It's still worth watching. Yeah. All right. What do we got next, Phil? We're taking on uh, Point Break, right? Yes, we are. All right. 
So Johnny Utah. Johnny Utah. You know, Johnny Utah is probably my single favorite character name in any movie in the history it of It is movies. a great name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and a lot of times uh, when I was younger, if we had to put in like a name at a restaurant or something like that, like for a wait and ask for my name, I would, I would give them Johnny Utah as the name. <laughs> uh, it's like sort of my, like, if I was a celebrity and I needed a fake name at a hotel, you know, Johnny Utah would be Johnny my, Utah. Would be my fake name. It works for everything. Yeah. Apparently that was going to be the, the name of the film. Oh, really? It was going to be called Johnny Utah. Oh, there you go. Well, I think Point Break is probably a little more... Yeah, and it ties in with the whole set. Right, thing. exactly. A bit but, better than Johnny Utah. But uh, yeah, so I do I do love that character name. So, All right, so uh, Point Break. You know what's funny? I thought this would be like a two-sentence summary, and uh, it turns out it's not. There, there's a little... Yeah, there's a, a, actually a lot goes on in the film. Yeah, it does, you know. Yeah, I'd forgotten quite a bit about it, but yeah. I was kind of thinking like, ah, oh, surfers, bank robbers, you know, guns, the end. But there's a little more to yeah. it than that, and I don't even cover everything, so. It's also got, it's got one of the best uh, chase scenes. Yes, uh, of any film, that, that chase scene where on foot where it's Utah's chasing down uh, Bodie. Yeah, yeah. I uh, just think that's brilliant, that one, one behind all the houses. Without a doubt. I love that scene. All right, so here we go. So Johnny Utah is a rookie FBI agent. He's assigned to investigate a series of bank robberies being perpetrated by the ex-presidents, a group of bank robbers wearing big rubber masks of former presidents of the United States. I love the name of that, the ex-presidents. Oh, yeah. I thought yeah, that was, that's a great a name great, for a gang. It's a great concept all around, yeah. for sure. Uh, Utah's boss, Agent... Angelo Pappas suspects a group of surfers, so he assigns Johnny to infiltrate them undercover. Uh, Johnny meets Bodie, who is played by Patrick Swayze. He's a sort of philosophical surfer and leader of the crew, and uh, eventually he gets accepted when uh, he learns to surf and when Bodie recognizes him as a formal, former football star, a college football star. Utah begins to suspect that Bodie is the guilty party, and he follows uh, the gang and eventually comes across them mid-robbery. Uh, they get into a, the aforementioned foot chase with Bodie, uh, but he stopped when his old football knee injury flares up and basically hobbles him uh, mid-chase. Um, the, the two lock eyes, even though Bodie's wearing a mask. So the question is, does, does Bodie know? Is it Bodie? We don't know. Mm. Although we, we kind of know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, Bodie escapes. Johnny empties his gun into the sky in a classic scene. Uh, but the next day, Bodie talks Johnny into going skydiving with them. And after the jump, he reveals that he knows who Johnny is and that he's holding Johnny's girlfriend hostage uh, to force Johnny into participating in their, their big last kind of hurrah robbery. Um, at the robbery, Bodie breaks protocol and goes into the vault, whereas before this they'd only ever taken cash from the drawers so they wouldn't take too long. And the result is a shootout where one of his men and a security guard get killed. Uh, he knocks out Johnny and escapes, but Johnny tracks him to the airport. And in the ensuing shootout, Pappas and Bodie's remaining men are basically killed. Uh, Johnny's forced onto the plane, and Bodie skydives out, leaving Johnny with no parachute. Johnny jumps out of the plane after him. They grapple. They land on the ground. And Johnny's knee gives out again, leaving Bodie to escape into the ether. That damn knee. Yes, exactly. It is problematic. Um, yeah. And then nine months later, uh, for the coda of the film, Johnny tracks down Bodie in Australia, where there is what Bodie calls a 50-year storm, uh, basically... You you know, just gigantic waves like, you know, you've just never seen before. They have a fight. Uh, Johnny uh, apprehends him, but uh, Bodhi convinces him to let him catch this one last wave. And, and Johnny kind of realizes if he goes out into the surf, he's not coming back. So he lets him go. Uh, he walks away. He throws his FBI badge into the sand and uh, cue end credits. What, what got me about the film is so many people die in it. I'd forgotten how many people yeah, died. Yeah, it's a little bit more of a, a higher of a body count than you remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. So that's Point Break. It's a great film. Uh, also directed by Catherine Bigelow, uh, who did go on to win uh, the Oscar for Best Directing for The Hurt Locker. 
And um, that was a that was a good film. Yeah, I like Point Break better though. But um, <laughs> yeah, oh, that, yeah, definitely Point Break's a lot more enjoyable. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, Hurt Locker is definitely a little more work to get through. Uh, so, Phil, what do you have for your uh, day after? Okay, I've got it. Bodhi heads into the 50-year storm to ride the ultimate wave, but apparently he dies after riding the wave of his life because anybody going out to that probably going to die. It was a big wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah spends the next day or two hanging around to make sure Bodhi doesn't turn off. Either he wants to find his corpse or find him alive, take him in. And he's also just trying to decide what the hell he's going to do with his life. He's quit the FBI. Well, he's thrown his badge down anyway. Right. But uh, that's it's. he's just going to be just walking, I think, coast, around the coast, taking in the immensity of nature around him and just part of him is hoping that Bodhi does turn up. Right. Because they always had that connection, that broken connection. Yeah, which is what part of what makes the film so great. You know, it's that yeah. the undercover cop who gets kind of, you know, seduced by the person that they're surveilling you know that's uh it's a it's a classic story and it's you know it's a powerful one i think yeah definitely but uh that it's uh it's not the most exciting day after but it's uh yeah that's uh what i see happening utah is looking for something he's never going to find a lot like jewel yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly well you and i are definitely on the same page uh i think that the next day johnny basically gets good and drunk uh, you know, he spent nine months chasing Bodhi, and uh, now that he found him, he doesn't really know what to do with himself anymore. You know, um, I, I, he clearly stayed in the FBI solely to catch Bodhi, yeah. uh, and now Johnny feels adrift, no pun intended. <laughs> when he recovers from his bender, he basically hits the surf the next day to kind of clear his head, you know, and even though the 50-year storm has passed, there's still some pretty gigantic waves. So so basically, Johnny spends the next day, you know, out on the surf, catching giant waves, you know, clearing his head and, and trying to figure out what to do with the rest of his life all right how about your uh, immediate aftermath okay i've got utah johnny utah no longer part of the fbi he now surfs to forget that's a good band name by the way surfs to forget oh it does isn't it yeah, I like surfs that. To forget. yeah a little punk band maybe you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry go ahead he, he basically because he's lost he's lost his partner in the fbi he's lost bodie and and laurie petty's character they've all all these people he had really good connections with are no longer part of his life he's basically traveling around until his money runs out. He's traveling around the world, going from, you know, chasing the wave. Uh, he ends up in California, and he hooks back up with uh, Tyler, who was Laurie Petty's character. He bumps into her. She's still angry with him, really, really angry with him. But they, he ends up talking around, and they talk about Bodie and the surf, and, and he, he makes some kind of peace. They're never going to get back together or anything, but he's got a little bit of a connection, and it, it sort of centers him a bit more with where he is. Very good. That's what I've got for that. All righty. Well, so what I came up with is that Johnny spends some time in Australia uh, surfing and clearing his head, basically. He, he goes on an extended leave of absence from the FBI. Uh, basically, he's at odds with himself. You know, on the one hand, he feels a strong sense of duty. You know, he, he was a good FBI agent, even though he was young. And, you know, he, he wants to do the right thing. On the other hand, you know, he's disappointed in himself that he got seduced by Bodie. Uh, not literally, but you know, personality-wise, yeah, yeah. into his, his yeah, cultural lifestyle, yeah. right? And and he does love the surfing lifestyle as well. So he he's definitely up up in the air about things. So, but one day when he's out surfing, it's been about you know six months or so. He's out surfing, gets into a bad surfing accident. He gets caught by a wave. He gets rolled, hits his head, gets knocked unconscious. Whoa! He's saved by a you know a near, nearby lifeguard, but he wakes up in the hospital and uh, basically. Um, it sort of is the clarity that he needs, and he decides that he knows what he's going to do with the rest of his life, and I'll share that with you in our next segment. Okie doke. So long term, what do you got? Long term, I've got Johnny Utah, still in California. He ends up getting involved in the in the movie business because that's one of the main things about being that side of America. 
he becomes almost like a stuntman and consultant because he's a, an ex-FBI guy who can surf. So there's going to be loads of Hollywood bigwigs who just want to get to know him, you know, tell him the stories. They feel like they're part of someone. They can, he's like an in with uh, he's got connections still with the FBI. He'd just be good for certain kind of films. Knows how to use guns, can do all that kind of stuff. So he starts off mainly as a consultant and getting into stunt work. And eventually he just keeps on moving and that. He becomes quite successful and uh, starts doing uh, stunt work for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and Because uh, people say they have a certain similarity. I can see it. And, I can yeah, see yeah. it. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's in, in some the way eyes. he looks. Yeah, you know? I'm not sure what it is, but there is definitely something there. Uh, meanwhile, though, in uh, another part of the world, reports of a new spate of bank robberies with a similar MO to the ex-presidents begin, begins coming in. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Maybe Bodie's still alive. Very interesting. Mm. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, we, we definitely differ a little on this, but we do clearly think alike. So uh, interesting. we'll, we'll <laughs> okay. see what happens here. So Let's see. So, you know, after his accident, Johnny comes back to the U.S. and decides to return to law enforcement. And basically what he does is he creates a task force within the FBI where he trains young agents to go undercover and teaches them how to avoid getting too close to the suspects. Oh, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's like something that. that he feels very passionately about. He continues to surf and several about, you know, 10, 20 years later, Later, he he gets a wind of a series of crimes in Florida that sound disturbingly like Bodie and his gang. Sounds like <laughs> the ex-president. Um, but he realizes he's too old to infiltrate any gang of surfers now. So he recruits one of his young agents, who I'm going to say is played by Ty Sheridan, because, you know, we were talking about him last week. And why yeah, not? Yeah, he's excellent. Yeah. Um, and uh, he could potentially be named Billy Montana. That's just a thought I'm throwing Billy out Montana. there. Billy Montana. Um, but he's uh, he's in the program that, that Reeves is you know spearheading, and he's his most promising recruit. And they head to Florida to to apprehend the suspects and to, to you know to infiltrate their gang. And you know while they're flying to Florida, Johnny uh, realizes that he is now the agent Pappas to young Billy Montana's agent Utah. Yeah. And uh, as he finally remembers his commanding officer, he realizes that he's finally found his true calling. Excellent. Oh, no, I like that. There we That's go. So see, one. so both of us had the potential return of Bodie. Yeah. But didn't actually decide whether he did come back or not, which I like a little ambiguity there, you know? Yeah, because you're not sure. Right. Could, could be the legend of Bodie. Right. I did think yeah. about actually going with maybe it was his son. Like Bodie's son, like he had, like he had a son we didn't know about, and oh yeah, could he do, knew about? Yeah, he could well have a couple of kids, couldn't he? Right, but then I was like, well, then my ending is just going to go on for twenty minutes, so I'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just cut it a little shorter than that. But I'll, we didn't even mention though that his papas was uh, Gary Busey. Which That's is, right. Uh, that's right. Before before he went, he went totally method. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was great probably, in that movie. But, it's a shame that he kind of turned into a nut job. Yeah, really good. He was, and he was great in a. He was, uh, what was he, Lethal Weapon as well, wasn't he? He was the, the bad guy in that. Yes, yes, he was. Or the head, yep. the head henchman. Yep. Really, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a lot of fun back in the day, but yeah. uh, now he's um, a little, little crazy, we'll say. Yeah, but he does, it's it's worth it for some of the uh, the internet videos. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, yeah, he does do some fun stuff with that, so. What I, what I found interesting about this, though, originally before Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze were involved, they were looking at Matthew Broderick, Johnny Depp, Val Kilmer, or Charlie Sheen. Yeah, that's a pretty, uh, you know, what's funny is I have to say, out of those out of those four actors, I think the only one who probably would have been able to pull it off besides Keanu Reeves would actually be Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Because, I mean, Depp could probably have done it because he's a great actor, but clearly he would have hated it. Like, that's not the kind of movie he wanted to make. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and Charlie Sheen, you know, we forget now that he was once a good actor, you know, but, but he was. That's, that's 
very true. Yeah, you know, platoon, yeah, platoon and, of course, and, yeah. um, and uh, young guns. You know, some of that stuff where he was still a serious actor. So, and, and that's uh, his cameo in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Right, ranks right. up there with best. That's a classic. criminal in the police scene. Absolutely, <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't see like Matthew Broderick would have been just not not, not right, not right at all. You know. But uh, but I think I mean I don't think the movie would have been what it was without Keanu Reeves in there. I mean he's just yeah. he's fantastic in this movie, and I do I do love Keanu Reeves. I know he's um he's got a very Keanu e style of acting, but I I do enjoy yeah. him anyway. Yeah, if he if he gets the right role, yes, he's, he's brilliant because all the way from Bill and Ted, he, that works so well up to now John Wick, yeah. was, which John Wick was just a breath of fresh air Absolutely. with the action films. It just Really good. Yeah, yeah. He definitely needs the right role for sure. Uh, you know, but when you get him in the right role, he's he's a lot of fun to watch. And he does make some some great movies. So he makes some terrible ones too. But oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, most of them do. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Except for Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh yeah, yeah. He's the exception. But uh, boy, I sounded a little bit like I was in love with him just then, didn't I? Like, oh, except for Leo. But that's not really how I meant it. I just meant that you know he he really makes good choices. But. We. I think we all have a little, yeah. little man crush on Leo. Yeah, maybe. I have a, I have a lot of man crushes. He's not typically on my list, though, but there's definitely some other guys that show up pretty regularly. such a good actor, though. Yeah, he is, without a doubt. Okay, another couple of little facts about the film. Keanu Reeves had never surfed before the film. Wow. Which uh, sort of worked for this character. Yeah. And Pat- Patrick Swayze ended up doing 55 parachute jumps during filming. Really? Yeah, that's, which I thought was pretty amazing. That's a lot. Well, they could just not get the shot right? Like, what? Are... I, I also think he just really liked sure. it, from what I can gather. Yeah. yeah, he's like, hey, I think we need another take on that, guys. He's got one more time, yeah. <laughs> and also, during some of the surfing scenes, uh, Patrick Swayze refused a stunt double. He refused a stunt double because he didn't have one for the fight scenes or car chases, uh, but he ended up cracking a few ribs while he was doing some of the surfing scenes. Ouch. Yeah, that's, 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 that must have made filming difficult. You know, the one time I one. tried surfing, I ended up cracking a rib, oh, so no, I can relate you? to that, and it's very painful. So, Well, I've, I've, I've tried surfing, and I could, I could stand up for about two seconds. Yeah, that's probably about a second and a half longer than I could, so, <laughs> so good on you there. <laughs> yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to do it properly, though, so, you know, get that. Because I like it in Point Break when they're there, we've got to get out there, and it's all this zen thing about being out on the ocean. Right. And surfing on the on the, the perfect wave. I'd love to, I'd love to have a go just to see if it could to try and understand that kind of feeling they have. Oh, without a doubt. It's funny too because I mean I, I am definitely a sucker for any kind of surfing movie. I mean whether it's a documentary about surfing or uh, any movie that has surfing in it, uh, I will watch it because I'm sort of like this odd surfing fanatic who's never been able to surf. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I know exactly but, what um, you mean. Some of them. It's like a Big Wednesday. Yeah, that film. Yeah. that's a brilliant film. Mm-hmm. And Endless Summer Two is one of my favorite movies of all time. Who's in that one? It's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a sort of a documentary. It's like a travel log. It's um, it's uh, Dick, oh, okay. Dick no, Brown's okay. son, uh, Bruce Brown's son, Dana Brown made it, and he follows these two surfers around the world, and uh, they just sort of go out in these crazy adventures. And but it's really fantastic. It's funny and charming, and there's some amazing surfing footage. And it's it's a film that is very near and dear to my heart. Oh, brilliant. I've not seen that. I'll have to track that one down. I like the sound of that. I, I highly recommend it, even if yeah. it's one of those movies that's so good that I've showed it to people who aren't interested in surfing at all, and they love it, too, oh, lovely. because it's such a fun, a- adventurous film to watch. And there's there's other things that they do besides yeah, surfing. Yeah. Like they get lost in Australia and the Outback and all these other things, and um, it's just it's a great, great film that I, I really, really love. So oh, okay. Yeah. I will definitely have a watch of that one. For sure. 
Uh, all right, great. So um, so that is our take on Point Break. And uh, as always, if you have uh, conflicting opinions, what you think uh, Duel or Point Break may have ended differently than we did, uh, please feel free to drop us a line on our Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com slash after the ending podcast. Uh, also, I want to mention, this dawned on me today, Phil, you yeah. know, this is our fifth episode. Five already. I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. And as we're recording this, nobody's heard any of them yet. That is the craziest thing. Yeah, we want to get a little bit of a roll going yeah. before we put them out for the world to see but um we're in like an audio limbo at the minute yeah yes but by the time people hear this episode we will be live uh well i guess by the time people hear any of the episodes yeah. we'll be live but <laughs> very soon after you hear this episode um you can also go on to iTunes and leave us a review, uh, which is one of the best things you can do to help out a podcast, um, short of sending us money, which you're welcome to do also. <laughs> um, but if you don't want to do that, uh, go on iTunes, leave us a review. That would be a, a big help for us. Yeah, A review will do, yeah. And if it's, you're going to leave a bad review, just at least make it a funny one. Yes, exactly. You know, make it so we'll chuckle and constructive. Right, right. But if it's going to be – if you're going to – if you like it or – you know, we're all right, then just you know, give, us, give us a good review. Right. We're all right with style. All right least, with style. You know? I like that. There you go. All right. So, Phil, uh, let's talk about some movie news. What's going on in the world of movies? Okay. Well, over the past few days, if you've been anywhere near the internet, you've probably seen the second Captain America Civil War trailer, which introduces a certain web-slinging wall crawler to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's right. Spider-Man can now be on the same screen as Iron Man, Captain America and all the rest. And it looked pretty good. It looks it looks yeah. fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies, but this one, you know, looks really really top-notch. What's interesting about the Spider-Man thing though was like, so I I showed the trailer to my you know, I I saw the trailer on my Facebook feed about a thousand yeah. times yeah. and every single one of them was like Spider-Man, like there was no surprise left that Spider-Man was going to be in it, even though I I already knew because I follow the film news, but so I said to my wife, I'm like, have you seen the trailer yet? Is it Because her feed isn't quite the same as mine, you know, not as much movie stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, no. So I said, okay, I want to show it to you before it gets spoiled for you. So I showed it to her, and she watched it, and she goes, oh, Spider-Man. And I was like, now let me <laughs> let me explain to you why this is a big deal. So I kind of explained it to her, and she's like, I think it's cute that you thought that would get spoiled for me. She's like, I don't – I don't. this doesn't mean the same yeah. thing to me that it means you for, to you. You forget you know? sometimes that – we're, we are in a bit of a bubble. Right, right. When it comes to the movie news kind of thing. Exactly. You know, but so. It, it is, in the world of cinema, though, especially comic book movies, it, it's a huge deal. Oh, without a doubt. To have Spider Man finally be there. The, the deal that Sony and Marvel Studios have done. Yeah, it's unprecedented. To, to have this. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. I never thought we'd, we'd see the day, to be honest. Right, right, exactly. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm a huge Spider Man fan. The only thing I think that takes away from it for me is, and here we go. You know, I like to share a controversial opinion yeah, every, yeah. every week. Well, this is my controversial opinion for the week. So I really loved Andrew Garfield as Spider Man. Yeah, he was a great Peter Parker. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I really enjoyed. Amazing Spider-Man, but here's the part that's controversial. I love Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I know that pretty much everybody else in the world hated that movie, yeah. but I thought it was fantastic. Well, I, I didn't think it was as bad as everybody was saying. Well, I'm glad to hear that. There was just, uh, it just, I felt like he could have done with a bit, some slightly better editing and just be trimmed here and there a little bit more. Sure. I mean, it's not that it's a perfect film, but I, I really enjoyed it. And then everybody came out and was like, it's the worst movie ever. And then, it, you know, it made $700 million. And yeah, they're like, it's yeah. a flop. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I'm a little disappointed that Andrew Garfield, I feel like he didn't quite get a fair shake. And I don't I don't think it's his fault. I think that maybe they sort of rebooted the franchise too soon. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think it was they were just trying to get it out as quick as they could, basically. The, uh... Yeah. And I think doing an origin story in the first one was sort of a misstep also. Yeah. 
Um, but but I do love Andrew Garfield as as Peter Parker in Spider Man. So that's my my only again. This is a minor disappointment though. I, I hear that Tom Holland is excellent as Spider Man. So I'm, yeah, all the reports seem to say he's he's perfect for the role. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do with it. I was uh, less than excited with the. Um, all of the internet chatter, though, for the you know two seconds that he's in the trailer, how many yeah. people were already complaining about him? It was like that's I always find out about people on the internet how you just you just yes. see this tiny little thing and it's all like it's dreadful, it's ruined Spider Man. Oh my god! Right, he literally says two words, and you're like people are like it's terrible. Yeah. I can't, I don't like it. And you're like I, that's where it's like okay, this is where the internet needs to calm down and yeah. you know let's, shut the let's heck watch up a bit once more, in a yeah. while. But I, yeah. I thought it's a, it was a ballsy move though. I think for to reintroduce him to the marvel universe though by in a captain america film i quite like that yeah especially for a big big story uh such as civil war yeah well it's sort of like it's it's a captain america film but it's really kind of like avengers 2.5 yeah apart from thor no thor no hulk right right no right but other than i mean really it's if you look at the it's it's to call it a Captain America film when there's, you know, Iron Man is clearly taking as, as big a part as Captain America and there's like 12 other Avengers. Yeah. You know, although it's, it's, although uh, people who've seen the film have said uh, it is actually pretty much Captain America and uh, Bucky, the Winter Soldier. It's That's what oh, it good. focuses on, especially near the, uh, you know, the second half of the film. Right, right. So I quite like the sound of that. But Yeah, absolutely. As, as, there's lots of characters in there. And that was my, initially I was just going, oh, this could be too bit of overkill. But it's the story in the comics had way more villains. Uh, heroes involved like such as the x-men it had right huge fights and things like that so it's never going to be as big as the comic book was but spider-man had right, a big part right. to play in that so it's going to be interesting to see how big his role is in this one yes also what did you think of the uh, look of the suit because it looks like it's like the classic suit from the comic books but it's from what we can gather from the, the couple of seconds it looks like uh tony stark has built this one because you have like the, the lenses on his eyes uh the cool you see a little bit of the web shooter mm-hmm. and things like that. but So it looks, because there's been talk that you're going to see Tom Holland in the homemade version and then a Stark suit. And I, I assume the one we've seen is the Stark suit. Yeah, it definitely has like kind of also the logo on the yeah. front is a little bit like like square edges, you know, not not rounded, you know. But um, I think it looks great. I mean, honestly, it's uh, it looks like Spider-Man, which is all I yeah. care about. You know, I don't I don't get too worked up over whether, you know, you know the minor details of his eyes are bigger or his eyes are smaller or you know the pattern on his you know yeah. suit is bigger or smaller just as long as it's spider right my only concern honestly is that um they don't just shoehorn him in because they could yeah. but that he actually is there for a reason you know i would hate to see spider-man just kind of get sidelined as a gimmick the fact it's based on the civil war storyline from the comics though it's spider-man had a quite a, an important role to play throughout that so there's right. lots that right. it should hopefully skew quite close to that and and it, it won't seem like that that's sh- being shoehorned in i mean honestly I, I you know i think i may have said this already on a previous podcast or maybe i i didn't maybe that was just in my head um <laughs> i lose track but um i uh you know when when captain america the winter soldier was announced i had never even heard of the russo brothers and uh then i watched it and i said well they can pretty much make any marvel movie they want as yeah, far as i'm concerned because yeah. i think that's you know, a fantastic movie. Great film, The Winter Soldier, yeah. They did a great job bringing, you know, the heroes in. You know, Robert Redford is fantastic. The whole conspiracy angle is great. I mean, they changed the Marvel Universe. And so they sort of handed them the reins to the, you know, the upcoming Marvel films. And I'm like, hey, listen, if they can keep doing what they what they did with the first one, I have no problem with that. Yeah, and it's also because of the, what happened in The Winter Soldier, it made uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. Oh, yeah. Gave it the kick up the arse it needed and just made it, just lifted it up and it's just hasn't looked back really since then. Yeah, I um I half agree with you. 
yeah. I think the second half of season one, right after the events of Winter Soldier, till the end of the season, with yeah. uh, with the whole you know Ward being a traitor thing. Spoiler alert. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. I mean, week to week, it was one of the best shows on TV. And then yeah, great storyline. I watched most of the second season, and honestly, it just. I couldn't. I couldn't get that excited about it again. Um, it's like they, somewhere along the line, it just it it couldn't live up to that second half of the first season. But those like eight or ten episodes to me were just brilliant. Yeah, that, those last few episodes of season one were probably better than season two. But I still still enjoy it. Like the characters, right? Right. I do I'm too. Looking forward yeah. to seeing seeing what happens, what goes on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one other good thing though from the Captain America Civil War trailer, uh, another amazing thing to finally see because it was been in the comic was Ant Man. Yes. On a, on one of Hawkeye's arrows, yes, just uh, slipping through the fingers of uh, Iron Man. I just thought that's it's an iconic comic book scene, and it's just to see it on the big screen. It's just uh, the fanboy with him. He just, <laughs> oh, just, just amazing. Yep, yep. It's going to be good to see Paul Rudd interacting with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and and uh, the rest of the crew. Right. It's going to be good seeing what happens with him. Without a doubt, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Paul Rudd fan, and I, I like the Ant Man very much. So uh, I think him being in this is uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. So uh, any. What other movie news have you seen this week? So the thing that stood out for me was that Paramount has announced that they've gone back to do reshoots on Star Trek Beyond and that they're adding a new character. Oh, yeah, I read this. Um, yeah, which is going to be played by uh, Shorey Agdashlu. I hope I said that right. Uh, if not, I apologize. Um, yeah, I, I, you I know, don't know. Uh, she's uh, best known for appearing in the movie House of Sand and Fog, and also she had a major role on one of the early seasons of 24. She's also in sci-fi's The Expanse. Which That's is right. a really That's good right. sci-fi show, really good, starring Thomas Jane. And based right, on right. Leviathan Wakes by a guy I've forgotten, but it's very good. And she okay. was very good in it. Okay. Right. So um, so she's going to be playing apparently at, like the, the president of the Federation, I believe, or something along those lines. Um, and, of course, people are worried because they think reshoots means that the movie's in trouble and yada, yada, yada. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I... I don't know if it's in trouble. I don't, you know, I reserve judgment until I see it. Uh, I What I find interesting is that, you know, I, I'm a Star Trek fan from from my childhood. I mean, I've been I've been watching yes. Star Trek Same here. since I was probably six or seven years old. And um, I've watched every season, every series, you know, I've seen every episode of every series. I, I, you know, I've, I've seen every movie and I love J.J. Abrams you know, two films of Star Trek. Yeah. I think he did a perfect job of rebooting it for a new audience, yet um, staying true to the spirit of it. But apparently there's a lot of diehard Trek fans out there who don't like them at all. And I didn't really realize this until more recently. Yeah, well, I have to agree with you. I, I've always loved Star Trek, the original series, the, uh, right up to the present day. And I love the uh, the Abrams films. I thought it was, it was probably the only way they could sort of do it, to be honest, unless they were going to introduce a whole new cast of characters as opposed to... Re, uh, reboot all the right. like, Kirk and everyone. Right. The only, yeah, the only way they could have done it was have it, you know, just fit in the timeline that's been established since uh, the original series was, you could have just had, you would have had to have had a whole new crew of the Enterprise. Right, but that just wouldn't have been economically feasible. Yeah, yeah, because people want to see that, they want to see Kirk or at the very least Picard or something like that. Right. Plus, and if you look at the box office returns, especially the the last couple of generation, next generation movies, they, you know, Star Trek Nemesis kind of tanked. You know, I mean, I think yeah. that the original shows had sort of run their course um, in terms of not in terms of for, for fans, but I mean, in terms of just general box office, you know, yeah, they sort of just plateaued and then we just. Right. I mean, none of the Star Trek films was ever, I mean, except for First Contact, I don't think any of them even broke 100 million. Maybe, no, Star Trek Four did also. But, you know, they, they were never humongous blockbusters. They were always just kind of successful films. Yeah. So just to do another Star Trek and be like, yeah, here's the next crew of the Enterprise, I just don't think it would have, you know. Yeah, it needed, it needed a, 
a fresh approach to things. Right. And so yeah. I thought that, you know, he did a great job of making it hip and young and fun. And then he threw Leonard Nimoy in to kind of satisfy the old school fans without losing the new fans. I just I really love them both. And I just don't I don't know why people there are people out there who don't who don't seem to enjoy them. The, the only problem I have with those two films is really is with the second one was uh, the whole thing of saying Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't Khan. Yeah, I, I agree. Because it was just it just ended up going too long and just when it was revealed in the film it's going oh it is Khan you're meant to be going oh my god I didn't realise right you're just going well yeah we knew all along <laughs> right and also if you're not a fan from the old movies that would mean yeah. nothing to you yeah so I, I agree that that was a misstep but over but it, I still found it to be an enjoyable film you know yeah yeah I don't know people don't like it people don't like him some people don't like him but um so Star Trek Beyond you know the Justin Lin the Fast and Furious director is directing it um obviously they're going for a bit more of an action bent Based on the teaser trailer, yeah, the first trailer. I'm just, I'm, I need to see more. I think though, to be fine, to see what exactly is going on. Yeah, I mean, clearly, I, I, it's clearly right now just the teaser. It's hard to say what's going to be, mm. you know, what's the the gist of it going to be. But I, I, you know, so they're doing reshoots. Not the end of the world. Could be good. Could be bad. But I'm still looking forward to it very much. Because most big movies, well, most movies anyway, they end up having a few reshoots. Oh yeah, it's uh, very common. But people, yeah. you know, the press likes to jump on it and make it seem like, uh, you know, oh, it's a disaster. Well, so. the only the only thing they'll have in this new character, though, like the head of the Federation, it's but it's not going to be quite a big role because it's just going to be a little reshoot. But in the terms of the Star Trek universe, it's, it's a big role. Yeah, it's something character. important. Yeah, so she's going to be. I wonder whether she's going to be there to help explain matters or something like that, like as a framing device, device or something. Right. My my guess is that maybe they went they went a little too much fun and action and not enough story, so maybe they want yeah. to kind of flesh things out a little bit. You know. Yeah, it's probably going to be something like that. So, but we'll see. But I do like her. She's a great actress, and she's got a. I love her voice. She's oh yeah, a really yeah, good voice for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Any other exciting news? The other thing, uh, Odeon Cinemas here in the UK have sent out one of their Limitless cards for me. It's a, a new service they've got where you pay seventeen pounds ninety nine a month, and you can go to the cinema, well the Odeon Cinema, as often as you like using that card. Uh, terms and exclusions apply, but it's a pretty good way to get people to go to the cinema, and all. I can see it working well. You got your mates. They'll be paying. You can walk in free. Yeah, I wish I had something like that, to be honest with you, because I would uh, definitely take advantage of that. I'm, uh, you know, I go to the movies as often as I can, but, uh, it yeah. would, you know, it seems like the kind of thing. I mean, I don't I don't know conversion rates, but what's a, what's a typical movie ticket cost over there in pounds? Uh, well, if you're outside of London, it can be, it's around about between £6 to £10, depending upon, you know, you're getting the VIP seats, things like that. Or... Right, right. So if you see three movies in a month, you basically it's paying for itself. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. But I mean, if you're down in London, you're going to be paying more anyway. Right. Uh, I think I think some of the ones, the Odeon Leicester Square, doesn't fall into this the, the limitless deal, which right. understandable. But uh, yeah, it's a good thing, and you can find out more. It's Odeon.co.uk/limitless. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I wish I had one of those for uh, for <laughs> for us here in the United States. So Odeon, uh, get on that. Make some partners, maybe, so you can uh, send <laughs> me one of those things that I can use as well. Excellent. Yeah, I'll get onto them. All right, you do that, Phil. Uh, one other thing as well, I uh, just saw before we started recording, uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill have been confirmed to voice Batman and the Joker once more in the animated adaptation of Batman: The Killing Joke. Wow. Which is based on Alan Moore and Brian Bolland's absolutely fantastic comic book. So usually I know the film news that you're sharing, but that is news to me. I did not know that. That is very exciting. Well, it was literally 10 minutes before we started recording. Right. It just came up. That's very exciting. I, um, yeah. I actually will still maintain 
probably to this day, maybe not, but when the original Batman films were out, after all four of them had come out uh, for years, I would say that the best Batman movie was Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, well, all the, all the Batman, the animated series, is the best portrayal of Batman so far. Exactly. Um, now that now that the Nolan films are out, maybe Mask of the Phantasm isn't the top one anymore, but it's still one of my favorites. And uh, so the getting Conroy and, and Hamill back to do them, especially to do Adapt the Killing Joke, that's pretty oh, yeah, amazing. Such a good story and just... yeah. Because Conroy and Hamill, I, I think, are the definitive Batman and the Joker. Oh, with, yeah, without a the, doubt, they are. Yeah, and it's just... I'm made up, because after the uh, some of the Arkham video games, it looked like we weren't going to have them doing the voices anymore. Right, Not, right. Mark Hamill in particular, but it's, I'm made up they got them for this one. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. But, you know, I, obviously they're not doing them full-time now, but it's it's... I think it's great that for a, a project kind of this important, I mean, really, after The Dark Knight, the most seminal Batman story of all time is The Killing Joke. Yeah. So if you're going to get some, you know, if you're going to adapt that one to a film, I think you need to have the right people for it to, to pull it off. So Oh, yeah, because it's, it's, it it's a huge story, and they've got to, I'm hoping they're going to get it right. There's no word on the rating, but there had been rumors it was going to be R-rated. I'm still not sure about that, whether, it, I mean, I know there's some events in the thing, in the story, which need to be. Yeah, but, you know, they pulled it off in the comic book and they kind of hinted. I mean, they, you know, they showed what they could show without making it R-rated. So they could they could definitely pull off a PG-13, but well, we'll yeah. see. Oh, oh, and the other thing, yeah, before to Tara Strong, she's going to be voicing Barbara Gordon. Oh, excellent. She's fantastic. Cause, yeah, because she does all so many different voices. Oh, yeah, she's everything. Yeah, yeah, really good. And they've got Commissioner Gordon is the guy from uh, Ray Wise. Oh, yeah, I love Twin him. Peaks. Yeah, I love love Ray Wise yep. so all in all it's shaping up to be very nice but there's no there's no data as to when it's going to be released but it's a good good start yeah for sure that is exciting good I'm glad you shared that thanks Phil yeah any more news in the world of film uh, I think that's everything I got for right now yeah I think that's all me for now alright well then in that case if you would like to hear us give an after the ending to one of your favorite movies feel free to comment on our Facebook page uh, again once again that is facebook.com slash after the ending podcast and uh, or just share any comments if you if you have anything you want to say about the show we'd love to hear it and uh, we might read something out on the air if you've got a better after the ending for the films we've discussed then Please put it in the comments, and we'd love to hear it. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll pick some good ones to uh, let people hear, and we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see if maybe we need to be replaced as the podcast host. Maybe people have better ideas than we do. <laughs> Shh, don't don't say that. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, that wraps us up. So until next time, I'm Mike Spring, and I'm Phil Edwards, and we'll see you next week after the ending. I've got the giggles now. Serious, serious podcaster face oh. now. <laughs> Sibilance. There we go. Right. Uh, lemon face, lion face. Lemon face, lion face. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. I don't even know why. <laughs> Affleck, you were the bomb in Phantoms. All right. Anyway. Uh, I had that with somebody the other day on Twitter. Somebody was going on, oh, Ben Affleck is Batman. It's crap. He's been rubbish and everything. And I just sent, but he was the bomb in Phantoms. And they, went, and they just went back saying, oh, that's true. He was the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I love it. Uh, and the, the assu- in blah, blah, blah. You missed out all the shooting guns into the air and... <laughs> oh, no, no, well, I, you stuff, know, but... I mentioned it, but I didn't want to reenact it because you, you did it so <laughs> yeah. well last week. I didn't uh, I didn't think I could top you. <laughs> you know, who who gets kind of seduced by the, you know, person that they're... That they're sus- Let me do that again. <laughs> well, you and I are definitely on the same page uh, tonight. Um, okay. Or we will be as soon as I get my phone working again. Good Lord. <laughs> Johnny basically spends some time in Australia. He takes an extended leave of abstinence. Abstinence? No. That was, abstinence. That was, I mean, maybe he does, but I would think if you're surfing in Australia, you know, why would you want to do that? Maybe it makes you surf better. <laughs> right. <laughs>
if any surface out there would like to get in touch and let us know. <laughs> yeah, share your thoughts on abstinence or, or not, you know, as far as your performance. No, it's just getting worse and worse. All right. <laughs> Facebook.com slash. Of course. Never fails. Good timing. That's perfect. That's it. That's a wrap. We can't top that. Like what? No, I just sort of like that. And then, then had a drink. Oh, all sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sure if you've been anywhere near the internet, you will have seen Captain America, the Civil... I'm sure if you... Ah, okay. <laughs> well, just on that month... Ah. <laughs> Maybe I did that last part again. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. After the movie. After the movies. <laughs> <laughs> close. <Yeah>. Close. <laughs>